You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show. Presented by Diet Pepsi on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show. It's a brand new week. It is absolutely beautiful outside, man. This past weekend was, uh, I'm telling you what, if you didn't like this weather we had on Saturday and Sunday, I, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, You'd be, I think, in the very small minority. It was absolutely perfect. Perfect football weather, even though the, um, Game was at College Station. It was perfect here in Tuscaloosa. It was nice out there as well, I'm told, and you can see it on television. But this weekend in Tuscaloosa, I mean, no humidity, um, cool temperatures in the in the daytime, and just absolutely chilly at night and early in the morning. But loved it. Love it. it just great to get some fall weather in the fall. And uh, hopefully it'll continue this week. I think that the forecast is uh, is pretty positive that – we're going to continue to get fall-like temperatures. Uh, I see that it's going to be a little bit warmer, um, warming on up in the in the middle of the week, and a chance for showers, which we need on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then back to just great weather for homecoming on Saturday. At least that's the forecast right now. Not quite as cool at night, but uh, but pleasant during the day with temperatures anywhere from the mid seventies to maybe right around eighty degrees, and then back. Um, on Sunday, back uh, at least uh, the forecast is <clears throat> to be uh, temperatures in the in the 60s for highs next Sunday and Monday. So good fall weather, and uh, we are ready to go here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, Noah pointed out to him to me something in uh, right before the show that I have been using the term retweet forever when I sent him a message about my lineup and today I said repost so I guess I'm converting from Twitter to X uh, because X uses the term repost and I still pretty much refer to it as Twitter uh, but Twitter slash X but instead of saying will you retweet my I think I said repost today so there you go I guess it's a uh, it's working what uh, Twitter is doing with its branding but good morning everybody and uh, we got a great show on tap today a lot to cover and um Alabama gets it done. What a game Saturday afternoon. I talk about an emotional game, all kinds of tossing and turning um, in regards to fans and I'm sure the players and coaches as well as that game went back and forth. And I thought the better team won the game. I think Alabama deserved to win the game. Uh, It would have been one of those games that Alabama not won. You would have walked away saying the best team didn't win. I thought Alabama outplayed A&M. But it wasn't over. Uh, it wasn't decided until the end. Alabama had a play that uh, was made that I think would have put the game away when A&M was down seven and lining up to, to kick a field goal. And it was blocked by Chris Braswell. Not only blocked by Chris Braswell, but picked up and returned by Chris Braswell. And uh, he went all the way for the touchdown. And that would have put Bama up 14. I think put the game away at that point. Uh, it would have been 31-17. to 17. But there was a 
Blindside block called like 15 yards behind the play. And I understand the rule of the, the, the I do. I understand the intent that that rule was put in so that you could avoid injury, so that those, uh, those vicious blindside blocks would be taken out of the game. I didn't see this this way, and I'm sure the SEC will disagree. I'm sure they'll say it was the right call that, you know, but I thought he got around in front of the guy. And um, anyway, I just didn't agree with the call. But they called it, and the touchdown was brought back, and Alabama wound up not scoring. And A&M had a chance to uh, get the ball back, but then the huge safety in the end zone, sack in the end zone, which Alabama's defense turned it up a notch in the second half. And that sack in the end zone was huge. And um, Alabama got up 26-17. to 17. A&M would add a field goal. And, and A&M had a, you know, the penalties were just totally one-sided again. 14 penalties for Alabama, nine pre-snap for right around 100 yards. But A&M did score a touchdown that was called back for a legit, listen, if they had to call that hold, then the whole game would have been a sham. I mean, the guy just pulled an Alabama player down by the jersey. But they did call it. And on the play, you know, A&M had a touchdown call back. Thankfully, the replay worked. Kid stepped out of bounds. Miss stepped out of bounds, you know, right around the one-and-a-half-yard line. And that was what led to A&M kicking a field goal. Instead of uh, a touchdown, and then Alabama got the onside's kick and was able to run the clock out with a huge first down catch by Jason McClellan. So Alabama wins 26 to 20 and uh, goes to 3 and 0 in the SEC, 5 and 1 overall. And now the uh, SEC West, here we go, runs through Tuscaloosa again. But we're going to jump into that game. We're going to go headfirst into that game, headfirst into SEC football, talk about a lot of other things. The Braves facing now basically a must win against the Phillies after, uh, as, as uh, Adam Amin predicted, they dropped game one on Saturday night to the Phillies in Atlanta. The layoff, it's just amazing. You play 162 games, and then, you know, they, they think they're, they're doing you a favor by letting you take time off, but they're really not. And then you have to play just the best three out of five. Should be five out of seven. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I never liked the wild card games to begin with. I think there ought to be a five out of seven series in the divisional playoff and in the league championship series after you play 162 games. You know, three out of five, just one of two bad games and you're out. But the Braves are going to, they, they really need to win. They really need to win tonight in Atlanta against the Phillies. So we'll get into all of that and uh, much, much more. First, though, I need to tell you this out of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. I guarantee you that. You can find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Or right, the number of the First Domain Condos hotline, 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. I know a lot of people are lining up already to talk to me about the game and also, of course, remind me that I picked Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, I'm, I've been getting it all weekend. You know, I am allowed to pick somebody other than Alabama. I just want to be clear on that. Doesn't mean I don't want to see Alabama win. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be right. But I am allowed to pick somebody else. So people... A lot of people really gave me the business for picking A&M in the first place, but who cares? I mean, Alabama won the game. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start taking some phone calls. And uh, we got Rodney Orr from Tider Insider coming up at 930. We'll dive into the game. Casey Smith on golf at 1030. A lot to talk about there. Your phone calls, as I said, on the first of main condos hotline. And also, if we get an opportunity, we'll get to some Nick Saban postgame clips from Saturday out in College Station. But we're going to lead it off with Cole. And then we've got Tom ready to go. Good morning, Cole. 
Good morning, Gary. Hey, did Jimbo just lose his job Saturday? Did Jimbo what? Is he is he is he on the hot seat, Jimbo? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, they've still got a chance to have a good year. And again, whether people like it or not, people just think that money grows on trees these days at these big schools. Uh, they still owe him a lot of money if they let him go. And I'm not saying they don't have it, but I don't know that you necessarily want to pay it. I mean, he's got a huge buyout, signed that gigantic deal. Uh, it's one game. I did say on Friday, if A&M you know, isn't ready to beat Alabama now in terms of, uh, or really more so, if they're not, if they can't get to Atlanta now, win. Because the SEC West is solid. Alabama's good. But this is not right now. It looks like a vintage Alabama team. And the SEC West is wide open. They had Alabama at home. And uh, they didn't win the game. So I know a lot of people are unhappy. I do know that, Cole. Um, they need to move on, I think. I well, think he's going to do it. You know, I, I, maybe they will after the year. I think they're going to wait and see this how this season plays out. I mean, you, there's so much that goes in. Everybody says move on, but you got to make sure when you move on, you're going to get somebody better than what you got, who you got. I mean, you know, just like I said, money doesn't grow on trees. Great coaches don't grow mm-hmm. on trees. They're hard mm-hmm. to find. There aren't that many coaches that are true game changers. And what I mean by that, when Alabama hired Nick Saban, you knew what you were what you were getting. Um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like care for the guy, but Urban Meyer is one of those coaches that when you hire Urban Meyer to coach college football, you know you're going to win, you know. Um, but there aren't that many of those type coaches. Most of the coaches that you hire, you're hoping that they win, uh, but you don't know for sure. So uh, when, when A&M hired Jimbo Fisher, it looked like a great hire. You're right, Cole. It hasn't worked out that way. But as to whether or not they're going to let him go, I think it's going to be decided if that does happen on what happens the rest of the year. Now, if they were to collapse, yeah, they'd probably move on. But let's say that they, you know, and they're not out of the SEC West. I mean, they've got to hope Alabama loses twice, obviously. But let's say they go on and they have a a, a nine and three year, and because uh, they already got two losses. Let's say, but let's say they go nine and three and they win a bowl game and they get to ten and three. They're probably not going to let the coach go. But if they I go, think there's going to be a, I think there's going to be a lot of two loss teams in the West. Though. Yeah, there I, could be. I think, so. I think I think Bama's not where they need to be. I think we could have another loss if we don't watch it either. I mean, we're 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 hanging on for a. Every week's every week's going to be a fight, Cole. Every week's listen. Don't take Arkansas for granted. Arkansas no. hadn't won a game in the league. They're on three, but they're capable. You know, you can't take anyone yeah. for granted. No, nope. uh, every every week in this league, it's going to be a dogfight for Alabama. A and M's not done. I don't. I don't think they're done. You're right. I don't think A and M's done yet. You're right. LSU's not done yet. You're, you're right. Even though they're two losses, they're still fighting. I mean, you're right. This this anybody. This is anybody's season this year. I think Georgia's going to have a hard time in Knoxville in a, in a couple of weeks. Um. Yeah, listen, man, like I said, I I agree with you 100%. You can't take any team in this conference for granted. It's a dogfight for most everybody every week. You know, I mean, LSU and Missouri down to the wire. You know, Alabama and A&M down to the wire. Ole Miss and Arkansas down to the wire. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you have you had a blowout in Athens, but but blowouts are rare in this league. You know, and of course, yeah, obviously, when you play Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's the one team where um, if you got Vanderbilt on the schedule, you pretty much go ahead. I think and pencil that down as a W. But most everybody else, um, you got to go earn it, man. You got to earn Tennessee it. Tennessee and Georgia will be a throwdown in Knoxville. Well, I worry about Georgia because Bama could even get it done in Knoxville last year. So Georgia's going to have a hard time too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. 
I don't know. I, I think Georgia's the class of the East. I think the East is different than the West. I think the the, think the, right. the, the West is tougher still, and people want to try to make it the is. East tougher. But outside of Georgia, I think the, the, the SEC West is still a much tougher division. Hey, great phone call, Cole. Good to hear from you. You take care. Roll tight, All right, here. thank you. All right, we're going to get to time before the break, and then, uh, Philip, we'll get to you on the other side. But let's go ahead and take time. we got time this morning. Good morning, Tom. Hey, Gary, good morning, you wise old sly devil, you. <laughs> You, you think I had ulterior motive on that A&M pick, don't you? You went, you went reverse psychology <laughs> by God, and it worked. And I am so proud for you. I'm so proud of you for doing it. I didn't think of that last week, but you did, and you you uh, you accumulated capital. But now, listen to me. You cannot spend reverse psychology capital too often. You no, I agree with you. You can't. How you use it, but my hat is off to you. You pulled this one out with it. Uh, well, I tell you, I'm 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 I'm, I'm happy about the outcome. That's all I'm going to say. I'm happy to be wrong. And Gary, I'm giving you credit. I gave you listen before the game. You're giving me a ton of credit. You're giving me a ton of credit. And and I'm not going to say you're right or you're wrong. All I'm going to say is <laughs> the people that came at me. Acted as though I would they be disappointed that I hit that I didn't hit the pick, and I'm 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 anything but disappointed. I I can assure you uh, no. that no one was pulling any harder for Alabama to win that game than me. So I, that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I'm I'm just well, gonna I'm just gonna say I'm pleased with the outcome. I have listen. The reason I speak with such authority on reverse psychology, I have used it myself, and uh, and I recognize it when it comes up now. All those people that were mad about you being uh, uh, wrong, listen, I got news for you. You just don't know the reverse psychology game. You have to play it. And uh, <laughs> you did it. And, and I thought you did an excellent job of it. And you sold it. You sold it hard. And uh, you even went on TV with it. And I thought, <laughs> now, that takes, that takes some things made out of brass right there. And you did it, and it worked. And I, <laughs> well, I let, let's just, again. Let's just say this: I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I understand when I pick against Alabama, what's going to come with it. I do, and oh, yeah. um, and 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 let's say this uh, again: I'm not agreeing or denying with your allegations, but I'll, I'll say this: <laughs> I, one one thing that happened was I said, well, even if Alabama loses the game. <laughs> then I'll then I'll have looked like I you know a, a genius for picking against them. And if Alabama wins the game, I'm going to be really happy that they won the game. So yeah. I guess in that yeah. regard, yeah. I was kind of in a I was going to get something positive <laughs> out of either result. How about that? Wait, <laughs> but listen, I was going to build you up. I had it all planned. You know, if we win, <laughs> if this comes out and we win, <laughs> I'm going to light the fire and I'm going to let it burn. And uh, but, uh, hey, yeah, great game. I, I really enjoy it. I'm going to get out of the way because Philip always has good comment. And uh, I enjoy the show, Gary. Take care, buddy. Thank you, Tom. Um, and I tell you this, Tom is Tom is very observant. He is a very um, good listener to this program and other programs here on Tide 100.9 FM, Tide109.com. So let's just say that. All right, we gotta do, uh, we got to do a timeout here on the program. But we've got um, – Philip coming up, and then Joseph coming up on the other side of the break. Rodney Orr at 9.30. It's the Monday uh, reaction Monday to, I don't like to call it an overreaction Monday because I think Ryan Fowler already uses that term a lot on his show, the game, but uh, we have 
post-weekend reaction to all of the college football and more. Busy sports weekend, the NFL. Man, alive. Uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots are struggling. Jalen Hurts is anything but struggling. Tua's putting up big numbers. Uh, Bryce Young is kind of finding his way. We'll talk about all the Bama quarterbacks in the NFL as we go through the show this morning as well. 205-342-9904, the number of the first main condos hotline. And we'll be right back with more phone calls on a beautiful Monday morning. Man, Justin, it was actually cold when I went outside this morning. How about that? We'll be back after this. Looking for a great place to have fun and watch the Bama? Much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 76, mostly clear tonight, the low 52. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and warmer, the high 79. And for Wednesday, the sky partially sunny. Wednesday's high at 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 920, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. And we're going to keep it right out there uh, on the First Domain Condos hotline with Philip, And then we'll get to Joseph. Good morning, Philip. Well, Gary, Missouri hung in there and hung in there and hung in there, but they just couldn't quite pull it off. Yeah, and um, they did. I, I thought that they were in position to, to win the game, and and uh, just down the down the stretch, you know, they made some. Give LSU credit. LSU's offense kept a lot of pressure on their defense, but Missouri had some miscues, and then obviously after LSU took the lead, um, you know, you still got a chance there, and you know, pick six just absolutely. Still, their fate and not only allowed LSU to win the game, <clears throat> but as uh, Scott Van Pelt talks about on ESPN, that was one of those bad beats. If you had Mizzou, you were covering the whole game. And anything yeah. other than a, a late LSU touchdown, you cover the spread. But uh, LSU got that touchdown, and not only do they win, but they, they cover the point spread as well. So uh, I still give you credit. Missouri has been a, a good team, but I, I would argue what I've said all along, that, and I know Georgia gets, gives the SEC East a lot of cred, but the SEC West is still a tougher division top to bottom. And um, 
It, it just is. I think there's more good teams in the mm-hmm. West, and and as they these West teams start playing those East teams, I think you'll see that you'll see that play out. And LSU went into um, Como and give them credit. That was a hostile environment. That place was. I was watching it on TV. Missouri was as jacked up as they've been for a game in a long time. Hard sellout. A lot of former players back. Uh, raucous atmosphere. LSU gets down big in the game and was able to come back uh, and win the game because I think over 60 minutes they they proved they were a better team. But but Missouri's still, Missouri's still a good team. But to, listen, man, I think you and I both know the cat's out of the bag in the East. Um, Georgia's going to the SEC championship game. I don't think they're going to lose a game um, now after watching what they, they – they just undressed Kentucky. You know, Kentucky was able to run the ball down uh, Florida's throats. But, you know, Florida's – Georgia ain't Florida, and they weren't going to go in there one-dimensional. And I don't know what's happened to Devin Leary. I mean, he came over from NC State. I think everybody thought he could throw the football, but he hasn't really been able to throw it a lick. Man, he missed a play early in that game that could have given Missouri a little, I mean, not Missouri, but Kentucky a little um, life there in the first quarter. He had a guy wide open. Just, and he missed yeah, him. Yeah. It wasn't even close. It I mean, wasn't even close. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not playing the way I think that they, <clears throat> you know, they thought that they would – yeah, I thought they, they think they thought they'd have luck with a portal two years in a row, and it mm-hmm. just is not happening for them. I mean, they're a, listen, they're a tough, hard-nosed team, but and I had hoped that Georgia was vulnerable. I think you know, with the way South Carolina played against them, and with the way that um, uh, Auburn played them, but um, I, you know, clearly they're still the team to beat in the East. Now maybe Tennessee's got something for them, but um, I think that. You know, Georgia's in the catbird seat, and Alabama's in good position. Alabama's still got to go out and earn it, but only one team in the SEC West is beaten right now, and it's Al- unbeaten, and it's Alabama. So, you know, give the yeah. Tide credit. And I do. And I, I was, um, I thought Jalen Milrow, uh, you know, was, he threw some beautiful passes the other day, and I know there are a couple of plays he'd love to have back, especially the one late, late, late in the game where he threw the ball into the dirt uh, when Malik Benson was wide open, but. Um, well, the problem, the problem there, the problem, the problem there is they never should have thrown the ball. Uh, what happened was Benson was out there uncovered, and he's waving to Jalen. And Jalen, I think I was trying to figure out what happened on that play, but I think Jalen saw him open and rushed it, and he was open. But l- listen, at that point, A and M's got no timeouts. You don't throw the ball. Period. Right. All you do is no. just take a knee. The game's over by throwing the ball no. and it being incomplete. You know that was that was a mental miscue more than it was a physical miscue. Whether it was, you know, so. But, yeah, but they put it on him in the second half to win the game, and he won the game for him. You know, he he threw for over 300 yards. He made some incredible throws in the game. They controlled the third quarter with a short passing game. I want to talk more about that with Rodney Orr. And, um, you know, you got to, you know, again, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some people that are going to still find flaws with um, – with Jalen Milrow, but you can do that with every quarterback. You know, I, I guarantee there's oh, a couple yeah. throws that that Max Johnson wishes he had back. So that happens. Yeah. But, but I'm with you. I thought I thought Milrow played a heck of a game. Gary, uh, I, I tell you, a guy, and I mentioned this to to Wimp and, and Barry a little while ago, and I, I hate to be repetitive, but Alabama has a guy on their team that I really have grown to like a lot. He's he's, he's he plays with a lot of energy and and a lot of. Um, a lot of strength and, and, and just a good player to watch. I like Kendrick Law a lot. I think he is a really good football player, and I'd love to see him get some more opportunities. Well, I'll tell you this. I uh, I think he will. I, th- I think he's already, you know, he's getting opportunities now in the kick return game. And if Kool-Aid doesn't start fielding those punts, 
Maybe he needs to get a look in the putt return game because I love Kool Aid as a returner, but you got to catch the ball and you got to feel the ball, and he's struggling with that. And and I'll ask Rodney about that, but that's something they're going to have to take a take a look at. But uh, but you almost pulled off Mizzou, Philip, and uh, as I said, you uh, you saw something in them that most people didn't, and they've still got a chance to have a really good year. But I don't think that. Um, you know, I don't think that they're going to win the East, and and <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to yeah. win the East other than the Georgia Bulldogs. And and Georgia's got yeah. the, you know, of all the things with Georgia now, of all the teams they could be playing coming off an emotional game against Kentucky, they get to gimme. I mean, they get to go to Vanderbilt, which is just, I, oh, yeah. I hate to say this because I like Clark Lee, and I've been trying to, you know, find to make a case for Vanderbilt going into the season, but they're the same old Vanderbilt. When you when you got Vanderbilt on your schedule, it's just an automatic W, man. It's and now, it you know, and Alabama doesn't unfortunately get them. They get it. They have to go to Kentucky later this year which would be a tough game hey thank you philip yeah thank you all right man let's keep it going we got to get joseph in here before we hit the break and come back with rodney or good morning joseph what's up Gabe? hey pal hey i'm a believer in Jerry <laughs> last weekend, baby. hey that boy gonna be the next can be michael Vick, baby what well, uh, that's hey if anybody's got anything negative to say about Jalen Burrow, they need to shut up because he proved everybody wrong this weekend. You're doing a, you're doing a full you're doing a full one eighty, pal. You're doing a full one eighty. He did. He played he 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 played well. He came up he came up big. Like uh like Philip pointed out, he had some mistakes, you know, had a had an interception where he didn't see the guy. And, uh, you know, late in the game, trying to throw the ball to Benson when all you do there, you take a knee there. I mean, there's the game's over after you get the first down with McClellan. But, hey, every quarterback wishes they could take some plays back. And, you know, you said that uh, last week if he beat A&M, you give him credit. So I appreciate you being a man of your word. Hey, Gary, this boy's first-year starter, man. Time he leaves, he's going to be like a champion back of big, man. He's going to be a high-looking kid, man. <laughs> hey, the thing I like mine, yeah, he, is. he sent back and tried to throw the football. He didn't try to take off running. He tried to sit there and throw that football. He and did. He did. He did hang. I give you that. He hung in the pocket and he 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 threw. He he beat him with his arm, which is what a lot of people said he couldn't do, and and he did. So you're you're right. He deserves deserves a lot of credit for that. Hey, kudos to Jalen Burrow. And I, I, hey, I, this team's got a chance to go to Atlanta now, baby. All right, Joseph. Have a good day, buddy. Oh, you do. All right, thank you. All right, 928 here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, we are going to uh, take a break. This hour is being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll come back with Mr. Titer Insider, Rod Neor, so we'll dive full speed into this Alabama-Texas A&M game and look ahead to the homecoming game against Arkansas. That's one you can't overlook. We'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM. 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's, good food, good friends, and good time. Did you miss any episode on Tide 100.9? Don't worry. All of our shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Music and on demand on the Tide 100.9 app.
9.32, time for Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV for his weekly visit, and certainly a lot to uh, recap with Alabama A&M. We'll also look ahead to homecoming uh, against Arkansas this Saturday, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because uh, not necessarily for the 11 a.m. kick, but the fact that the homecoming parade is going to be held at 7 in the morning, and that means they'll have to start gathering, I guess, at like 5.30 in the morning for the homecoming parade, which uh, is uh, – too early for my taste, but it is what it is. TV says 11 a.m., so that's when they'll play the game. But we'll get to that in a moment. We're going to start out with uh, Alabama 26, Texas A&M. How are you, Rodney? Hey, I'm doing well, Gary. How are you? Doing doing well. Huge test for the Crimson Tide, a game that a lot of people uh, had uh, pegged to go A&M's way, including me. And, uh, you know, it was, I thought it was positioned well for A&M, but Alabama answered, uh, not that they're worried about answering critics, but what they did do was they won a huge road game, and now they're the only unbeaten team in the SEC West, and the, and the uh, SEC West is going to run through Tuscaloosa. No, nothing's guaranteed, but they took a big step in uh, making it to Atlanta with that 26-20 win, Rodney. Yeah, I think it was a, a major win, obviously. I mean, I think, Gary, when when the season, before the season, going back to even spring, when talking about it on TiderInsider.com and throughout the summer, I, I really pointed to two games in the first half of the season that could determine the way, uh, the direction this team takes. And, you know, obviously the first one was Texas here in Tuscaloosa, and I was really concerned about that one because it was really early on the schedule. Mm-hmm. I thought Texas caught Alabama at a great time for them. You know, it's a time when Alabama was still very much developing, and they still are. But then I thought number two would be going to Texas A&M on the road would be a real challenge. Uh, it would be uh, maybe the first really big uh, road game for this offense for Jalen Milrow, even though I think last Saturday night in Starkville or the Saturday night before was really a, a, a great kind of tune-up for that. But, uh, look, I thought Alabama handled themselves extremely well. Uh, on the road in that environment. They started a little slow, obviously, but I thought the defense played magnificently. I thought those first two series there when Texas A&M had opportunities to maybe even tack on a couple of touchdowns, Alabama holds them to three points. That that was a tone setter to me. It, it really was. It was big in the final outcome of the game. And, again, I'm really, uh, really encouraged by the defense. It, it continues to play well, continues to show some things that we've seen from the past. And, so pleased with that, I thought, uh, you know, offensively, they got obviously much better in the second half. You know, when you look at the, the I guess what makes this win so remarkable is if you just looked at the stats and, and you saw that Alabama was held to 23 yards rushing, although, again, in college football, sack yardage comes off the rushing total, which I still don't understand, but it is what it is. But you're held to 23 yards rushing. Uh, you did lose the turnover battle 2-1. to one. You had 14 penalties for 99 yards, nine of them pre-snap. They had four penalties for 19 yards. They won the uh, turnover battle. Um, time of possession was about even, though, although A&M had a, had a slight edge, more than a minute edge. But, I mean, if you just looked at those stats on the road like that in a hostile envi- environment, you had a touchdown call back again. That's six touchdowns called back in six games, which is just a remarkable number. Uh, you, that's, that's incredible. But all that happened, and Alabama overcame and won the game. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's something that I'm not sure the last couple of years that they, they would have done that, to be honest with you. Um, there's just so many things you can point to. Again, the effort when, when you know, you're in adverse situations, uh, you know, we could point to so many different things where Alabama made some plays. I mean, you could think about, okay, you throw the interception to Nye Black, you're down to down seven at that point. It's a real momentum swing for Texas A&M. And then Caleb Downs comes back and makes a tremendous play 
to, to get the ball right back for Alabama. That was really big. You know, I think Milrow missing the throw to uh, Jermaine Burton down at the goal line, and then he comes back the next play and, and, and throws a, an incredible dart, you know, in the, over there to Burton for the touchdown. You know, all of these things, I think the thing that, that, that it, Nick Saban calls it competitive spirit. You know, you forget the last play and go on to the next one. I think this team is really showing that. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, I, I can't really express how big of a win I think this is for this team because I think it's an, an opportunity. And a lot of people say, well, now, hey, wait a minute. Now, this is an unranked Texas A&M team. I don't think that really matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't one matter. Bit. I mean, here's what I look at. This is a very talented Texas A&M team. Whether people, some people don't want to believe it. They didn't want to believe it going in. I'm talking about on Alabama's side. Uh, the, the, the fans on TiderInsider.com, some of them got upset when you suggested that Texas A&M is an extraordinarily talented team, a team that certainly could have beat Alabama. But again, the, the, the level of, I would say, effort, intensity, maturity that this team played with and played together the chemistry they showed out there i mean again it, it continues to impress me ryan newer from titerinsider.com titer insider tv with us um let's get to milrow because um he goes for 321 yards through the air you and i are in a group text and and you pointed out in the first half that with the inability to run the ball with what texas a&m was doing defensively that um and I thought Jalen played okay in the first half, hit some big butt. In the second half, they went to the short passing game, and you um, said that, in essence, that became the running game, and he executed it well and allowed Alabama to hold the football and get some first downs. Speak to that, and uh, even Jimbo Fisher alluded to it after the game. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, there later in the first half that, that Reese started saying, hey, look, you know, we got some things open in the shorter passing game. Let's and I assume he was thinking, let's let's build some confidence, let's build some rhythm, and 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 Milrow missed a couple of those, but you could see it was there, and it was the, you come back in the second half on that first couple of possessions, and that's what they did. Uh, they went to those quick short throws, get the ball out of his hands quickly, and he was on target. I mean, he was throwing the ball. Those are not necessarily difficult throws but you want them accurate where your guy can make a play on it maybe pick up some yards after the catch and I thought Milrow did a great job of making those throws and then all of a sudden he's in a rhythm and once he got into a rhythm Gary I think uh, that his confidence really started to kind of boost a little bit and I think the whole offense's confidence started to boost again you couldn't run the ball uh, Texas A&M was taking that away that was their game plan uh, they wanted to stop the run and make Milrow a passer, and that's what they did, and he burned them, quite honestly, once they kind of got into that rhythm. And again, I, I'll say this, give kudos to Milrow, but I say also all these people that have been critical of Tommy Reese, he's been in a difficult situation you know, since the, the season started because he's got a developing offensive line, he's got a developing quarterback situation, and, you know, uh, trying to find out, okay, what can we do successfully on, on offense? And, and, again, they took away what Alabama wanted to do, which was run the ball, but they went to that short passing game. Thought it was great play calling myself. Yeah, he called a good game, no, no doubt about it. Uh, 
As I said, Milrow, 21 of 33, 321, three touchdowns. Now, he did again, because uh, I, you go back and watch the replay, it was an accurate throw, and uh, and Nybite was preparing for the catch. He got he got baited by the safety into an interception. He didn't see him. Give the safety credit, too. He made a nice play. I mean, he, he uh, it looked like Nybite was open, but he was reading the quarterback's eyes the whole way. Then at the end of the game, I was trying to figure out what happened there, Rodney, after Alabama got the first down with a great play by McClellan that should have clinched the game. And I went back and watched the game because I know there's no way Alabama called a pass in that situation because you get the game's over. Once you get the first down, they don't have any timeouts. But Jalen inexplicably threw the ball, hurried, and threw the ball out to Benson. But when you go back and watch it, Rodney, what happened was Benson was uncovered. So he was waving to Jalen. Now, Jalen should have never thrown the ball. I, I don't care what the situation is. But Benson was, if you go back and watch the replay, Benson was, hey, hey, I, they're not covering me. So Milrow, anything threw it down into the dirt, which actually gave A&M an extra timeout. But I know a lot of people have asked about that. But if you go back and watch it, that's what happened. I don't think there's any way that that play was called from the press box. I mean, you take a knee there, Rod. In essence, you gave them a timeout and actually gave them a chance possibly to get the ball back one more time. But that's what happened. Benson was uncovered. He wanted to catch the ball and run it in for an interception. I mean, run it in for a touchdown. And Jalen should have never thrown that ball. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great learning experience, I think, for everyone. Uh, I even think the throw at the end of the game to run the clock out was a, was an experience too. I think. Yeah, you got to throw that to the end zone higher. You're right. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, go ahead, make sure you, you had he had plenty of room. He could have continued to drift outside mm-hmm. because I'm telling you, Gary. I'm telling you, you know this. I, I, oh, I no, don't you know. You didn't want them getting the ball back with one second. No way. No, no, and, and not just that. I mean, I don't trust these referees in terms of getting outside the box. I mean. They throw a flag. They could yeah. call intentional grounding, whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, I, you know, he had room to, con- but it's a learning experience. They'll watch it on tape and say, hey, look, you had drift on out, throw it as far as you can. You've got a great arm, you know, loft it in the air, get it out of the, you know. So anyway, um, but it worked out. And again, I think all of those things will be learning experiences. And I think, you know, I do think this, you, you, this is what you have to say. And I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks. He hasn't been perfect, Milrow. You can look at things. You can you can pick him apart. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, I, I think that watching him the last couple of weeks especially, uh, and again, I go back to what Nick Saban says, the competitive spirit. And I think he's got that. And I think it's rubbing off on, on this team a little bit, certainly on the offensive side. You know, Milrose really worked hard. And, and you can see that he's he's going out there. He's competing on every play. And uh, I think that really means a lot. I think it, it certainly has been very beneficial to the kind of the, the, the development of this offense over the last couple of weeks. Let's get to the penalties because, um, you know, it's more than a trend. I mean, after having a run of, of Coach Saban, Alabama, one of the least penalized teams in college football, the last few years that's changed and they've become one of the most penalized teams. And um, as I said, 14 of them on, on say, listen, a lot of that's on Alabama, man. Those pre-snap penalties, uh, you know, I don't know if it's on the quarterback. I don't know if it's on the offensive line. I don't know if it's you got to give the 12th man credit, whatever. But the penalty in a game that could have changed the game uh, was when Chris Braswell made an incredible individual play. He busted through the line, split a double team, blocked the, the field goal, picked it up on a bounce and ran it in for a touchdown. Ball game's over. It's 31-17. At that point, A&M, the, the wind goes out of their sails. And I don't do this often, but I tweeted about the play, and, and I got a huge reaction to it. I tweeted at the SEC officiating, 15 yards behind the play. And now, listen, should Dallas Turner have messed with the guy at all? No. 
Some of that's on Dallas Turner, Rodney. Period. But this is football. You 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 contact, you block, you tackle. Uh, and he, I thought, got in front of the guy, pushed him. They bring that that call back. I understand the rule because many people pointed out to me now that the rule's the rule, but it's a stupid rule. Then the the intent of of, of uh, blindside block is to is to alleviate cheap shots from the game. Uh, I just don't think in that situation. I thought it was a poor flag. I thought it was a poor call, and I thought it could have changed the the, the game. Your your reaction? Yeah, no. I think first of all, like you said, uh, before I actually kind of looked at the play again in slow motion, I watched uh, some people sent me some pictures of it, some slow, you know, still frame pictures of it, uh, and you could really see. Um, uh, like I said, if it's 15 yards behind the play, it's it's player safety. I mean, you can't do that if – it really doesn't matter where it is on the field. But the question I had was, is, was it a legitimate blindside block? I don't know the complete definition of a blindside. But Dallas Turner clearly had his head in front of the guy, and it was more of a – I guess you want to say a nudge. Just cut him off a know? little bit. Cut him off. Yeah, cut him off. Cut him off. It was a nudge. Wasn't much of anything. Uh, and, and again, he had his head in front of him. So I, I really don't know if that's uh, what the definition is of that. But I will say this: <laughs> it was a pretty weak call, in my opinion. If uh, you know, again, having your head in front of him is—I don't know how that's considered blindside. Well, it could have cost Alabama the game. I do know that it's it great, and, and you hate it for Braswell, who two weeks in a row had a defensive touchdown, or would have had, and had you know had this one taken off the off the off the board. Um, there's a lot of narrative out there, and you knew this was coming. You and I both had discussed it, that if Alabama did win the game, there'd be as many people saying that, uh, well, A&M's overrated, it's Jimbo Fisher. And then now, there's, now the narrative is out there that, that Alabama uh, didn't win it as much as A&M lost it. You know, the critics are, you know, coming out in force, and Alabama's still not that good. Um, your reaction to that and in, in the narrative now that – and I listen, with this Alabama team – People are just waiting for him to lose a game. If they lose a game, then everybody's going to pile on. But it's just obvious to me that this Alabama team is not going to be given a lot of credit. And that's okay. But how do, how do you see that playing out as far as the inevitable reaction that, you know, Alabama didn't win it, A&M lost it? I don't, I don't see that at all. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Again, I'm just looking at it from my perspective. And, and I'm going to say if I think Alabama didn't play well, uh, you know, you, you pretty much have to call it like you see it. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. But what I watched and what I sensed was that Alabama pretty much dominated the second half. Absolutely. And fr- frankly, frankly, this is just me. I thought A&M became a little bit intimidated of Alabama physically. That's a great sign. Alabama's defensive front. And again, I understand, okay, Texas A&M has two true freshmen, but that's not what we're talking about on the offensive line. But Alabama dominated them. I mean, physically dominated. And Max Johnson's a good, mature quarterback. He's a veteran player. He's won a lot of games. You know, Gary, I didn't realize he's thrown 44, going in this game, 44 touchdown passes, only eight interceptions in his career. This guy's had some success. He, I think he was a little intimidated. Now, he stood in there made some plays, but I'm talking about later in the game, I thought the Alabama defense front just took over the game. So I don't really see how anyone could say A&M lost it. 
I thought Alabama just won the game. They were the better team. Uh, so that's that's just kind of my take. A and M did a good job. I mean, obviously they their game plan to to stop the run worked really well. They had Alabama in every position possible that they if they would have drawn up that game, not knowing the score, if they'd have just drawn up that game to play out the way it did, they'd have said we win this game. Well, they didn't because of Alabama. Alabama, you know, in, in the red zone defensively was incredible. You know, you remember they called Anaya Smith out at the two. I got a text message about that time that said, well, he'll score on the next play. Well, you saw what happened. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, I mean, he didn't score. You know, they throw an incomplete pass. They get called for holding when they ran it into the end zone. Um Surprising! I was which, shocked. Which give, the give the officials credit for getting one right, yes. because I yes. was worried they'd yes. let that go, and the guy just grabbed his jersey. So, but thank, and, and, thank. And goodness. then they get the holding penalty, and I'll tell you another big play. And I think it was Downs who made the play, because we've seen this the last few years. We saw it two years ago when Alabama played at Texas A and M. The tight end's down there near the goal line, catches the ball at the two, but instead of getting in the end zone. I think it was Downs, may have been Amos, but I think it was Downs, makes a tackle on the spot. That's huge. That's huge because, I mean, we saw a couple of years ago the tight end catches, there's not even a safety around. And he just steps into the end zone. So I thought that was really, really big, that that series right there, making the tackle, forcing the field goal. Uh, So anyway, long story short, I guess what we're talking about here is I'm really pleased with what I saw from Alabama. Uh, I mean, I know it's one game. There's a long season to go. Uh, but you have to be really pleased and encouraged. I, I thought Alabama pretty much controlled and dominated the second half. You mentioned the defensive front, and we haven't always come on this show on Mondays doing our recaps and said what you just said. Uh, oftentimes we said, boy, the defensive line needs to play better. But you pointed it out correctly, uh, they, they dominated in the second half. I mean, they made life miserable. Even after the questionable uh, blocked field goal, which Alabama did not score, once they got the football, the penalty put it so far back, they wound up punting. And then all of a sudden, it's still just a, it's still just a one-score game. And the defense just, they sacked Brad Johnson to push him back behind the, uh, inside the 10. And then the very next play, they sack him for the safety. Huge play in the game to get that up to two scores after you'd had the touchdown come off the board. Oh, yeah, it was a big major play in the game. Again, I think, you know, having them backed up and taking advantage of that with the pressure that you got on the quarterback and and making that hit, uh, it just kind of accentuates or emphasizes what I'm saying here. And just my opinion is that I think Alabama just dominated those parts of the game. And I think that's when you see a team right there that you say, hey, to me, this team has a lot of potential. Uh, I, I think it's a team that, as you see, uh, if they continue, you know, to play with the, as they're playing now and progress each week as they're progressing right now, uh, then I think this team has a real chance to be, uh, you know, come later in the season to be in the SEC championship game and then potentially in the playoffs. I, I do, I do see that. I know a lot of people had written Alabama off, and understandably, I, they didn't look very good a few weeks ago after Texas and South Florida. But I think they've made a lot of improvement, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be really, really interesting to watch this team. All right, getting short on time, but a caller uh, called in and, and wanted uh, 
left a message with Justin to ask you about a couple of things uh, quickly. Uh, the job you thought Trey Amos did filling in for Malachi and uh, what's the motive for switching Pritchett and Proctor out some? Proctor's still playing the majority of snaps, but getting Pritchett in there some at left tackle. Well, I, I don't really know about Amos, to be honest with you. I know he had the hold, uh, he had one holding call. I think he had one too. Uh, but other than that, I didn't see him do anything bad. You know, I just, I haven't gone back and highlighted him or watched him uh, that closely, but I didn't see anything that, you know, he uh, did poorly, certainly. But um, so that's really all I could say on that. And what, what was the other one? Uh, Gary, Pritchett, Pritchett getting some snaps uh, at left tackle, uh, uh, in, you know, replacing, subbing yep. in for Pro, for Proctor some. No, I think, I think when you, I, I like that because I mean, first of all, I mean, I think Pritchett at one point was running first team, you know, so he's, he's a really good player. And I think getting guys on the field that are, can contribute, uh, you've got to do that. I, I think it's, it's it's good for the development. I think it's good for the players uh, to see that they're going to play whether they start or not. I mean, I've always thought that Alabama should play more players, uh, but, you know, Nick Saban has, has a, his philosophy in terms of getting players on the field. But I think sometimes you – but in close games, it's difficult to make those changes. Uh, but, I, I, no, I, I really like to see Pritchett out there. I think he's a guy that uh, – you know, he deserves de- de- deserves some snaps there at left tackle. And guess what? If something were to happen, you hope it <laughs> certainly hope it doesn't. But if there was an injury at that position, uh, then all of a sudden you've got a guy that, that's ready to plug in. And, right. and Gary, let's say yep. this too, real quick. You've got we've got to mention Jaden. Uh, I was just just about to ask you about seventy seven at right guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought that was really big for him. I'm. I'm happy for him. He's from Galena Park, North Shore in Texas. And he's a physically, physically imposing kid. Yes, yes. A lot of people probably don't know. Some of your listeners may not know. He was once committed to who? A&M. Auburn. Oh, Auburn. Okay. <laughs> yes. He was, was committed assuming to you were gonna, And I remember it now. He sure was. Yeah. He's a good-looking yeah. kid. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. I did. And real quickly, uh, you move on to homecoming. Going to be an interesting homecoming with 11 a.m. kick, a lot going on. And I warn people to not take Arkansas for granted. I know they're 0-3 in the league, but they are they are a capable team. And they took Ole Miss right down to the wire on Saturday night. Can't, you can't overlook anybody in this conference. Uh, I think they're probably wounded, you know, so that makes them dangerous. You know, I think they feel like they played pretty well. Uh, they played really well against LSU. Had a chance to win that game in Baton Rouge. Um, I know they lost this last game. I, I know it was kind of a back-and-forth type game for a while. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, they can score. They can score. K.J. Jefferson's a really good quarterback. He's had success against Alabama in the past. And they'll come in here really with a nothing-to-lose attitude. And I think when you go on the road like Alabama did, you had a big win. You know, you've got to get your feet back on the ground. You know, this, that's the one thing. Get your feet back on the ground. Let's see if this team is mature enough to play with some consistency. Great stuff, Rod. And uh, TyrantSider.com, uh, open for business. Yes, they are. Uh, and there's a lot of chatter on our website. And, again, we share a lot of information, a lot of insight, much like this conversation here. A lot of it goes on 24-7 right there on TyrantSider.com. It's only $48 a year. And you can get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. But it gives you all our premium information. But really, the the all-sports forum right now, Gary, is just, I mean, it's just nonstop. Thank you, Rod. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, 955. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour right after this. 
Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Friday edition of The Game, we'll do our SEC Parlay Pick Contest presented by Brian Hart and Construction. We'll talk to Brent Beard. We'll talk to Lee Sterling. We'll get you ready for Alabama, Texas A&M. All on The Game on Tide 100.9 and WTBC 1230, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, Ben. Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 76, mostly clear tonight below 52. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and warmer, the high 79. And for Wednesday, the sky partially sunny. Wednesday's high at 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 958 um, had a listener give a message to Justin to ask me if I prefer my crow with Grey Poupon or just regular brown spicy mustard. I'm not a Grey Poupon guy, so either just good old-fashioned brown mustard or even some good old-fashioned <clears throat> French's yellow mustard uh, uh, do, do me fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to load it up because the crow doesn't taste too well, but if you put a load of mustard on it, you can cover it up. So I'll take mine with just regular good old-fashioned brown mustard or yellow mustard, but... I'm certainly having to eat it and happy to do so. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll be back with hour number two, the Gary Harris Show. Keep it dialed in right here to Tide 100.9 FM. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 484. Again, that's 484. The code is 484. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Among the couple of hundred Alabamians attempting to find a way out of embattled Israel this morning is a group from Tuscaloosa. Businessman Puji Pula, his wife, and others have witnessed the attacks by Hamas. They may have to evacuate to another country to secure a flight home. More than 50 wildfires are burning across Alabama this morning. Several here in West Alabama, one in Northern Bibb, one in Northwest Lamar, two in Walker County. West Alabama continues in a moderate drought. In sports, the Crimson Tide remains 11th in the Associated Press poll, but moved up to 10 in the coaches' poll. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa, Bama Sports Updates, and severe weather information, download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app, never pay for your news, and sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. 
The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show, presented by Diet Pepsi, on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, what a first hour. Rocking and rolling, and uh, we're ready to go in this hour number two as well. We're going to get to uh, some analysis of Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. Certainly uh, mixed results uh, on Sunday for the Alabama signal callers, four of whom are starting for teams in the NFL. We'll run that down. We'll talk uh, golf with Casey Smith on golf coming up, and uh, big day on Sunday for Wilson Furr, former Alabama golfer. And uh, we'll have those uh, details. More of your phone calls on the First and Main Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. And uh, I'll continue to eat crow from my prediction, my wrong prediction on A&M over Alabama. I had it A&M 23, Alabama 20. So I was very close in regards to the total score. Uh, but it did go down the wire, as I predicted. But Alabama came out on top and... Uh, Quite frankly, as I said, uh, without the blocked field goal for a touchdown coming back, that game would have been over. And I think Alabama might have, you know, won the game 31 to 17. It didn't happen. Uh, that's something, again, that I know Nick Saban's pulling his hair out. He continues to mention the defensive touchdowns and, and uh, not just defensive touchdowns, but touchdowns coming back. Um, you've had a kick return come back for a touchdown against South Florida. You've had. <clears throat> A uh, blocked field goal touchdown comeback. You had two offensive touchdowns against Texas comeback. I mean, it's just been unbelievable, and that's something that they've got to clean up. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. We at Patterson Comer invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of Automobile accident, personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18-wheeler accidents. Our business is to take care of your needs. You can reach Paul in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. You can reach Mike in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, we're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And phone lines are open now on the First and Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. So if you want to call in and give us your take on the Texas A&M-Alabama game or look ahead to Alabama-Arkansas, you're more than welcome to do so. I'm going to get into these Alabama quarterbacks now with um, in the NFL. Let's start with, uh, with the good. Um, Jalen Hurts just continues to win games. I mean, some amazing stats about, about Jalen that, um, that came out after the win over the Rams yesterday. He is now 22-1 and one in his last 23 regular season starts in the NFL. Folks, that's hard to do. <laughs> that is, uh, that's, that's just unbelievable uh, in, in a league with that much parity. He has 899 passing yards over his last three games. <clears throat> and this is a guy who many people predicted uh, needed to be moved to running back or wide receiver, would never play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I heard it all when he was here at Alabama. And uh, many of you that are listening probably said that. Some of you didn't, but but some of you did. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of 
angst on this program because I always thought Jalen Hurts, you know, I'm, I'm wrong a lot. Certainly was wrong about the Alabama A&M pick, but I wasn't wrong about Jalen Hurts. I said the entire time that he'd play quarterback in the NFL. And I had people shout me down on that one. You know, absolutely get 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 worked up into a <clears throat> into a lather to suggest that he could play quarterback in the National Football League. Again, I never knew what people were looking at. I looked at his athleticism. I looked at his drive. I looked at his determination. I looked at the fact that he came in here right out of high school and started um, came in in the second quarter against USC and took over that job as a true freshman. Led Alabama to a fourteen and zero record put him in the end zone with a minute and something to go in the national championship game against Clemson to go 15-0. and 0. And um, I saw a guy that worked hard, that, that kept the main thing the main thing, and all he's doing is going out and, you know, becoming an MVP candidate again. Yesterday, 25 of 38 for 303 yards and a touchdown and a pick. He ran 15 times for 72 yards and a touchdown. If you're keeping notes, that's nearly 400 yards in total offense. He's gotten to 30 touchdowns uh, as a running quarterback, I think faster than any quarterback in the history of the game. So he's just doing what he does. And, oh, yeah, the Eagles are 5-0, and one of only two unbeaten teams in the NFL. The other team that's unbeaten, of course, the 49ers, the team that the Eagles beat last year <clears throat> for the NFC Championship. And, of course, the Eagles came within just seconds of beating the Chiefs for the world title. So he's doing what he's always done, finding a way to win games. He's one of the most decorated winners in the history of college football. His record as a starting quarterback at both Alabama and at Oklahoma. And now he's becoming one of the most decorated winners in the history of the National Football League. His win percentage as a starting quarterback is up there with, with anybody. So, superstar. There's no other way around it. Whether people like it or don't, he is a superstar. He is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and he is just who he is. A winner. All right, Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins are one of the most prolific offenses in the history of the NFL. We're seeing an offense that's averaging like 500 yards a game. We're seeing a quarterback that is operating a system with incredible expertise doing what he always has done, which is throw the ball beautifully. Yesterday, 22 of 30, 308 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He did have a, a pick six. That was a bad play down on the goal line that at the time kept the Dolphins in the game. But, um, I mean, kept the Giants in the game. But what he is doing at quarterback is going to have him in the MVP conversation this year. And the Dolphins, despite that loss at Buffalo, are in first place in the AFC East at 4-1. and one. And um, putting up video game numbers is Tua and the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And now they brought in um, Claypool from the, from the um, Bears to have another weapon. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable what the Dolphins' offensive potential is. Not even just their potential, what they're doing already <clears throat> in terms of the numbers that they're putting up. So you've got Tua, superstar. Jalen, superstar. All right, Bryce Young and the number one overall pick. And it's a struggle right now a little bit. There's no other way around it. They're not a good team. That's why they were picking number one overall. I thought they might be a little better than this. Uh, But they're 0-5, and they got blown out yesterday in Detroit, 42-24. 
Bryce has missed one game this year with injury, but he is starting. It's starting to happen for him. Again, he doesn't have a great offensive line, doesn't have a great running game, <laughs> doesn't have a ton of playmakers at wide receiver, and that's not the combination that you're looking for for a rookie quarterback. But yesterday, 25 of 41, 247 yards, three touchdowns, did have two picks, but Adam Thielen, who was great a few years ago with the with the Vikings, but is kind of on his, um, I don't say last leg, but he's in the latter part of his career. But he got 11 catches yesterday for 107 yards and a touchdown. <clears throat> so the Panthers are committed to Bryce Young, and Bryce Young, I think, is is going to get there. But he is a rookie. And unfortunately for him, just, you know, C.J. Stroud, who was the number two pick, is having a better year for the, for the Texans. And, and actually, the Texans probably should have beat the Falcons yesterday uh, to get to three and two. But they didn't. But Bryce, I think, will be fine. All right, that leaves us with the fourth quarterback. And, um, wow, it's, it's a struggle right now for Matt Jones. I'm not giving up on Matt Jones. I've always liked Mike Jones, and I think what he did at Alabama in 2020 was incredible. But And I thought what he had, all the people now that are just giving him the business. Listen, he's in one of the toughest sports markets in the country, the Boston sports market. Their fans are probably second behind Philadelphia fans for had a reputation for being nasty to their own teams. And they're spoiled. You know, they've had a 20, they had a 20-year run where – their team dominated the National Football League with, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I thought two years ago as a rookie, Matt Jones was terrific. You know, he earned a spot in the, in, the, in the Pro Bowl, and people forget that quickly. He was really good. And Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator. He had a great rapport with him. All right, Josh McDaniels took the Raiders' job, and then last year, that was not Matt's fault. That was a disaster with... with um, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia trying to run the offense, and it set Matt back. Now you bring in Bill O'Brien. Um, the Patriots are one and four. I thought early in the season, I thought Matt was playing pretty well. Listen, the last two, the last two games, he's been terrible. There's no other way around it. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Against the Cowboys, against the the, the Saints, they got beat 34 to nothing yesterday at home. I mean, Justin, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Uh, but I'm not going to put it all on Mac Jones. Having said that. He needs to play better. and But this is another team that, for whatever reason, they don't seem to have a lot of explosive players at the wide receiver position. And the question now is, is, is Matt going to make it with the Patriots? I mean, I think that's a legit question uh, with where this team is headed. Justin, what do you think? I think you're completely right. Uh, Coming in this morning, I was listening to another program. They had the former offensive coordinator for the Patriots, Charlie Weiss, on, and he had a similar take that you have, Gary. It's quick to – it's easy to point out the quarterback and blame him for all your troubles. And, of course, Mac hasn't played well by any means. But this offensive line for the Patriots, not playing very well either. Actually playing. Oh, they got manhandled yesterday. I watched enough of that game, Justin. The Saints defensive front just – just, just did dominated. what they wanted. Definitely. They don't have a, a, a signal caller wide receiver. They ha- Their uh, whole wide receiver room is made up of maybe twos and threes. When they really tried to get DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, they couldn't do it. 
and they don't really have tight ends that <clears throat> Patriots are so used to having. Gronkowski, and they even had Martellus Bennett from the Bears for a while, just a big playmaker who could block and catch passes. They're missing so many different pieces of the offense, but it's all seemingly funneling back to Mac Jones taking the blame for it all. Well, he is the quarterback, and um, and he is in Boston or out, you know, near there. With they don't actually play in Boston, but he used to be the Boston Patriots. Now they're New England Patriots. Um, I think Hunter Henry was supposed to be that guy tied in, and and he's flashed some, but um, but it's going to be up to the Patriots to figure it out. And uh, but I am now worried, officially worried about Mac and and whether it's going to happen for him there, and uh, what can happen a lot of times when you flame out in one place is then you kind of become. You could become a backup somewhere. But this is just hard to fathom after the rookie year that he had with the Patriots. I, I thought he was on the fast track to a great career. But, um, you know, the numbers yesterday are uh, pedestrian, to say the least. 12 of 22 for 110 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. I mean, I don't have to tell you, that's not going to get it done. Now, it doesn't – it helps, Mac, that Bailey Zappi came in and went 3 of 9 for 22 yards. It wasn't like he came in and, and, and lit it up either. As you said, the Patriots got a lot of problems outside of quarterback. Well, with Bailey Zapp, too, you have to remember, they released him in the offseason. Yeah. And then had to bring him back. Yeah. So they don't really like him either. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but that's kind of the synopsis I wanted to run down. You've got, you've got Tua Superstar, Jalen Superstar, Bryce Young, number one overall pick, rookie learning his way, I think it's going to be fine. And you got Mike, Mac Jones, who's trending in the wrong direction. Um, no doubt about it. I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I just I just really don't. But I do think Mac is a better quarterback than he is looking like at the moment. All right, it's ten seventeen here on the Gary Harris Show. Boy, I tell you what, Justin Mailman Jerry was so thrilled when I called him. You know, of course he was he had he knew he'd won and and he pulled his mail truck over and told me he was shaking so bad that he couldn't drive. Uh, he said he was one of the best things that ever happened to him to win that to win that Jalen Milrow football, courtesy of T Town Menswear and T Town Gallery in the University. And I'm not I'm not embellishing here. I mean, honestly, gosh, when I called him, he said I'm sitting here. I had to pull off the road. He said I'm 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 emotional right now. I'm shaking. He said I listen to all the Tide shows. I have it on my app when I'm delivering mail. He said this is one of the greatest days of my life. He really <laughs> said that when he won that Jalen Milrow autograph football. Um, so I've been in touch with Jerry. In fact, he had texted me over the weekend, Justin, that he wanted all of, all of the Tide personalities to side of the football as well. And I'm going to call him today. I'm going to say, listen, I'll try to get you. I said, first of all, everybody's not in the studio at the same time. And I'm going to say, secondly, I'll try to get an autographed football from the Tide personality. I'm not going to take the Alabama football signed by the quarterback, Jalen Milrow, and put our names on there. I don't think we, we need to be on there with the quarterback of Alabama football. But he said he just absolutely loves the station. He said that, uh, I mean, it, 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 it threw me a loop. I really hadn't planned to talk about it this morning. But when I called him, and I don't know if you talked, y'all talked to him on the phone or not. But he was, I mean, he was, a, he was emotional. We messaged him on, on the app. He was one of the app listeners, and uh, he, he messaged us that we made his month. Yeah, I mean, he just uh, – so I'm going to make arrangements for him to get his Jalen Milrow ball. Um, I think he's got some family members. But I, if you're listening, Mailman Jerry, and not that we're thrilled you listen to the show, I just – I'm not going to take a uh, – and first of all, our sponsor, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and the University Mall, he wants that to be given away as a Jalen Milrow ball. So we're not going to sign – we're not going to sign that football. But we will – I will try to get a football and – 
get all the Tide personalities to sign it for you. I, I will. I will do that since you you are adamant that you want. <laughs> want the Tide personalities on a ball. So I'll work on that for you. All right, it's 1019. Uh, we need to get to the break, and we'll come back and uh, wide open for phone calls in the next segment on the First of Main Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. we got Casey Smith on golf at the bottom of the hour. Keep it dialed in right here. And by the way, you can now hear Alabama's uh, West Alabama's only sports talk station on WTBC 1230 a.m. as well as Tide 100.9 FM, the legendary 1230 a.m. That's where you can find Tide as well. We're back after this. Houston Hydra Steam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning in Tuscaloosa. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 76, mostly clear tonight, the low 52. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and warmer, the high 79. And for Wednesday, the sky partially sunny. Wednesday's high at 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to jump into any of the shows? Call Tide 100.9 right now at 205-342-9904. Well, somebody answer that damn phone! That's 1023, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to jump right out on the First of Main Condos hotline, and that's where we find Cowboy. And Cowboy and I both uh, knew what a tough game that was going to be over in the college station. I'm sure, though, Cowboy, you're as thrilled as I am that Alabama found a way to get it done. Oh, yeah, but I figured I better eat a little of that crow sandwich with you. Not, <laughs> it's not I, too bad. Some, like I said, loaded loaded up some, with some, some... Just give me some regular mustard. <laughs> yeah, some good, old yellow, some, good old, some good old French's yellow mustard. Yeah, just give me some yellow mustard, and I'll swallow it down right quick with a Diet Coke, and we'll keep on going. Well, I hear you. Like I said, not, it's not too uh, it's not too bad. So you know, we'll make the we'll make yeah. the most of it. I, I think again, I had uh, Tom called in and said I tried to play the reverse psychology card. I said, well, I'm not I'm not admitting to anything, but I will say this. Uh, I had it like I had it figured like this. I was pulling for Alabama to win. Uh, but at least if Alabama lost, then I'd look like I had I'd, <laughs> I'd hit the pick. So either either way, I was going to get something positive out of the yeah. game. But, but I'm thrilled that they uh, they won the game and the way they gutted it out, Cowboy, with all the things that went against them in the game, uh, and you know in that hostile environment, and then getting that the touchdown call back to still find a way to win the game. I mean, it's something that you can. Uh, that's one of those games where. And they've been doing it the last three weeks. I mean, they, they've been taking steps in the direction that they you know, got a chance to be a really good football team. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, you know, Texas a they just yell. It's not hostile like Jordan Hare is towards Alabama. You know, Gary, I kind of so – I, I, I don't know. I, Texas a and they're kind of like the 70-year-old man that's getting a 35-year-old good-looking woman to – Hang around him. I hope I don't go. Oh Lord! Only well, you could come up with that <laughs> analogy. Pay, you know they pay a lot of money for these NIL players, but they're not producing the money they want. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like 
they throw a lot of money at something, but it's never going to get them where they want to be. It's the history of Texas A&M, if you go back and look at it, uh, you know, over the years. And, um, you know, when that game was tied 17-all in his home stadium, and Jimbo Fisher wouldn't go for it there because he went for it 0-0 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That was the ball game right there. He told Alabama they didn't want to win. And then also what turned the game back in our favor is after the Milrose interception, two plays later, they give us the ball right back on the interception. Sure did. That was a huge play in the game. when uh, After Milrose got picked, uh, when he didn't see the safety, and then uh, uh, Caleb Downs comes back, you're right, and got an immediate interception right back. Yeah, Alabama made the plays to win the game. I, I thought in the second half, I was like everybody else. I, you know, there was a stretch there where I said, Alabama's dominating this game, Cowboy. They're dominating yeah. the game. And then you just got so nervous because despite dominating the game, you hadn't put the game away. And I thought, I really thought the blocked field goal return touchdown being called back might cost them the game. I, I said, now all of a sudden A&M's got second life. That game, listen, if that touchdown stands, it's over. It's 31-17, life they went out of the place. Alabama might have tacked on another one, in fact. I don't think A&M would have scored. Yeah. But all of a sudden, <clears throat> Mr. Mr. Striped Shirt, you know, has to, has to, if they're, they're, I tell you, I swear, they're not, they're not happy unless they can help decide a game. And I, listen, I went back and forth with people on Twitter, not back and forth. A lot of people criticized me for, for saying that it was a sketchy call, but I'm going to stand by that. I mean, I, I, the intent of that rule is to keep people, that was, you know, I guess if you want to go letter of the law, that was, but that wasn't a cheap blindside shot by any means. And to have no. that touchdown call back like that, you know, I, I, I don't, there's got to be, there's rules, but there's also officials discretion and there's got to be some, you gotta, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful they caught the hold on the Texas A&M touchdown. Aren't you? I was shocked. They threw the flag. I thought they wasn't going to throw it, but it was right in front of Oh, it had to. I mean, the guy grabbed the jersey. But, but I, you know, the way the penalties were going in that game, you got one team with 14 for, a, you know, 100 and one for yeah. f- team with four for 19. I'm just glad they got that one right. Yeah, well, and then I was you know worried they were going to put a second back on the clock at the end of the game and let A&M have a chance for a Hail Mary. <laughs> I was saying oh, they're no. going to lose 27-26 on a Hail Mary nah, at the end you, of the game. You were worried about the, It was over. Hey, listen, Gary, that head official – his name is Gutierrez or something. What? This is his first year calling the SEC. Where did he come from? If anybody can do something. I got no idea. Bring, what the, you're going to have to. Did they bring him out of the Sun Belt? Because uh, that was the biggest ball game he'd ever called. Yeah, he looked like and, it, too. Uh, Every time he went to the mic to make a call, his eyes were just bugging out, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I Listen, I know it's a hard job. I've said that before. Uh, you're always going to make every time a flag goes down, you're making somebody happy and somebody unhappy. <clears throat> I get that, but again, I mean, just the, I, I just, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that a team coached by Nick Saban just continues to go out and and trump these teams that they play against by 10, 12 penalties a game. Other than the Texas, uh, I mean, the Middle Tennessee game, it's been the same old, same old for Alabama and penalties, just like it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. It- it's amazing, but hey, that was a great win. This team's got a lot of confidence. They're they're building, and I'm gonna tell you what, Jalen Milrose stood in the fire and kept, you know, kept making throws. But you know, it's uh, you know, Kendrick 
Kendrick Burton, he talks a lot, doesn't he? Not, well, Burton, whatever number three. Jermaine Burton, yeah, he's, but boy, I, I meant to, I should have asked Rodney about his performance, though. He came up big in that game. He's talented, there's no doubt, but you're right. He's, he almost is a liability sometimes. I just want to say, man, just shut up and play. I mean, you just sometimes yeah. just, yeah. but boy, he's, uh, but he's talented. I'll tell you that. Hey, you know, talking about the fan, the A&M, the, how officiating is viewed, all the calls that went against Alabama, all the calls, you know, A&M's got four penalties for 19 yards in the game, and their fans were all worked up over the uh, official being in the way of the pass. The official was where he was supposed to be. That just happens sometimes. They're, they're part of the playing field. You know the one where uh, I guess they were throwing maybe to Smith and the official kind of yeah. uh, broke up the pass, and that's all they wanted yeah. to talk about. You know, that oh, we got to, you know, if that play, you know, come on, man. You can't yeah, – yeah. you don't have any room to, to – uh, well, you know, fans, that's why they call them fans, are fanatics. They think everything their team does is wonderful. And you know, I, I told those Texas A&M fans around me that Alabama's strategy in the second half is they're going to make Mac Johnson beat them, and they don't think he can. That's well, hey, listen, there's no doubt about it. If you, if you, when it came down to it came down to a quarterback game in the second half, and Jalen Milrow outplayed Max Johnson, that is a fact. That is, yep. that is, that is in the record books that Jalen Milrow made more plays than Mac Johnson did. And you're right. That was the game. In fact, I, I, I as good as A&M's front is, and it's, it's good. I, I still, the way Alabama's defensive front played in that second half, Cowboy, if they play like that going forward now, whoo, Alabama's going to have something for you. I, I mean, oh yeah, that, that well, looked like the defense. What do you think Jim, what do you think Jimbo's going to finish? Seven, five, eight, and four? Well, they got two losses already, but I'm but I'm going to tell you this: I they're still a really talented team. I I um I still think they could get the nine wins potentially. Uh, now they'd have to play well, you know. I, I I but I I could see them only losing one more. I mean, they're still a good team. Only one more. Now who you got? Well, I'm not looking at their schedule right now, but I, I mean, I think they're capable of beating LSU. I think they're capable of beating uh, Tennessee this weekend. Don't they go to Tennessee? Uh, yeah, that Tennessee's going to boat race that corner over that we picked on in Knoxville. That number 28. Yeah, he's, he struggled. It. I mean, I, I hadn't made my picks yet, but I'm just saying, I think, let me pull their schedule yeah. up a little bit. I got to get to the break here. We're going over. Hold on. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, look, let me see real quickly. Um I, I'm not picking it yet, but I think do I think they're capable of winning at Tennessee? I do. I, th- I think they'll beat South Carolina at home. I think they have the potential to win at Ole Miss. I think they'll beat Mississippi State at home. They're obviously going to beat uh, their non-conference game. And then, uh, I you know, at LSU, that final game, that could be for, you know, that could be for a big bowl game there. So, um, but I think they're talented, man. I mean, I think they've got a, and listen, you, they've been talented for a while. You know, I look at, a chain and what he's doing with the Dolphins right now, you know, he's went off to the off to one of the hottest starts. <laughs> There's not many running backs in the country, and I mean, in the history of the NFL, that are doing what he's doing right now. He's averaging like ten yeah. yards a touch, dude. Yeah. So they've well, had good football they, players. They've underachieved. They, You're right. They've been a they uh, the fact that they've never been to Atlanta with the level of talent that they've had since they've been in this league is it is it's 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 criminal almost. Yeah. Two things right quick here. They, were, they had a prime opportunity to beat Alabama. They couldn't do it. And can the Braves get a game today? Because otherwise, this thing's going to end in Philadelphia. Well, it's what Adam Amin said. It just didn't set up well for the Braves. And um, 
Uh, you know, you play 162 games, but in a short series, it's different baseball. Yeah, they got to win today or it's done. And I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid it might be done anyway, but uh, we'll see. Hey, got to run, Cowboy. All right, be good, buddy. All right, we'll be back with uh, Casey Smith on golf uh, right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and WTBC 1230 AM. Stay with us. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 10.35, running a little bit behind, but it's time for Casey Smith on golf, and we got a lot to cover today, breaking away from the football for just a little bit, although I'll probably get Casey's take on uh, A&M in Alabama. But uh, good morning, Casey. How are you? Hey, doing great, Gary. Thank you. Hope you, hope you had a great weekend. You're down in Sunshine State this week, right? Well, I was. I uh, landed back in Atlanta this morning, so it was a quick 24-hour trip. I got you. Well, what's some weather we're Stay on the burn? We're having some glorious weather and a and a glorious uh, glorious Sunday for Wilson Fur, former Alabama golfer. Um, you know, trying to, to get like all the Corn Ferry guys are uh, to the to the PGA Tour and trying to you know join this large group of former Bama golfers now playing uh, on the PGA Tour and uh, you know was kind of in that bubble range, but uh, but he gets it done, Casey. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Wilson Furr. He's actually, you know, you, you just never know when you play at the high level they play at at Alabama. Uh, if you can play there, uh, you never know how it works out when you get out there. I was not expecting him to earn his card, uh, but he played really steady all year. He was a rookie on the Corn Ferry Tour, which usually it takes a couple of years, unless you're just an elite player because the fields are so deep and it's such a ta- big talent pool. But he had a sixth-place finish yesterday. Uh, big time, big time finish that, that moved him from 32nd to 24th. Wow. The top 30 players on the season points list earned their cards. Most say that have been there. If you listen to the guys that are on the tour that have won, uh, I've read probably 20 different PGA Tour players sending their wishes saying most nervous day in golf. Uh, I watched a guy miss a you know four-footer at the end and not earn his card, so Mm. Big-time performance from Wilson Furr to earn his PGA Tour card. I mean, that's every kid's dream that starts out playing golf. So, big-time, big-time deal. Through all of that, I had no clue that his brother was a, a like a recording artist with a record deal. Oh, wow. They always bring up some small facts, and I was listening, and his brother Prentice has uh, got a record deal, been featured and stuff, so that was pretty interesting. And actually, Kristen Gilman, on uh, former UA women's golfer, shot a final round. She 64. made it, the, yeah, to the LPGA. And the, tour. on the Epson Tour, I mean, she she vaulted up ten spots. Uh, didn't look like she was going to even have a chance. A final round sixty four. So really, really great day for both of them. Yeah, it it, it was. And in fact, I I'm not on Instagram, but somebody sent me a link, and I can watch it, even though I'm not a. It's let me watch it, but. Uh, the Corn Ferry Tour put out a, I don't know if you've seen it, Casey, but they put out a video of, of uh, first day, and it's awesome. You know, it starts out with 1.09 p.m., currently outside the top 30, and you see the angst on his face, and he goes over to his, his uh, SUV to change his shoes, and he's just, he's sweating it out, and then it goes through the day, uh, 
you know, as he gets the news that he's moved into the top 30 and secured his card. It's really, really neat stuff. So, again, it, I mean, it's a bit, it's a, it's a massive deal for both of them. They're obviously playing for a lot more money. I mean, the, the Epson Tour, really, there's not a lot of money to be made out there. Uh, LPGA purses have really gone up. But, I mean, we, we've discussed at length how much they're playing for on the PGA Tour. And it's such a big difference. I mean, life-changing opportunity to go get to, you know, see where your game stacks up against the best. It's not going to be easy for them. But, I mean, we've got a huge contingent of Bama players out there. Uh, so, re- really exciting for Wilson Furr and Kristen Gilman. We had a PGA Tour event over the weekend, and it's uh, it's special. And most people overlook the Sanderson Farms Championship. I get it. Uh, but having worked in Jackson as a TV sports reporter and, and, and obviously Meridian, too, uh, I know what a big deal it is for that state. And I'm telling you uh, – and you know this too, Casey, uh, the city of Jackson, that and they lay out the, the red carpet and they treat those. I, I've had to, when I was working over there, I talked to some of the pros that played and they said, man, you're not treated in the time they were playing it in Madison. But uh, you talk to those pros and they say, you're not treated better anywhere in the country than you are in Jackson, Mississippi. And you didn't have to be because, you know, they don't get many superstars in that event. Uh, but it wouldn't matter if you were, you know, a part-time tour player or on, you got treated, they treat you like a king. And, um, and let's be honest uh, for a lot of these guys, that's a huge event. It's a chance to, to, um, you know, get the exemptions and, uh, had some Bama guys in there. I was a little disappointed. The Bama guys with the familiarity with the course didn't play better, but you had a five-way playoff. And, and you had some names there. Loot List, uh, Scott Stallings, uh, you know, Griffin, and, of course, List won it. Uh, a dramatic finish uh, at the Country Club of Jackson. Yeah, I mean, List was, is a stud whose family was there in the five-way playoff. Ben Griffin played at Florida. Uh, Love big Obear was just a star at the Ryder Cup. He was the guy. I mean, it's crazy how good he is. Yeah. He college golfer of the year, Texas Tech. Scott Stallings, former winner, multiple-time winner, and Henrik Norlander mm-hmm. played at Tech. So a lot of a lot of Southeast flavor there in the five-way playoff. And then Luke List, family being there, young two kids, you know, two young that's made a 45-footer. Uh, he's cleaned his life up. He, you know, bought, bought some addiction great great guy so that's good to see him win our guys didn't play very well this week lee hodge is by far best finisher at 43rd uh trey mullinax Patton, duffner shelton riley all missed the cut Jeez, hard to figure uh yeah it's, it's pretty tough the uh and, and there's there's implications fedex cup falls underway and you know trey's got some a past champions from winning, you know, get a two exemption for winning last year that will carry him, but really needs some, needs some work. Uh, Patton's going to need some work. He's at 130. You got to finish inside the top 125 because they don't want to burn a previous exemption they may have stored when you could finish inside that number. So hopefully he'll play good. There's only, you know, what, three events left. Um, so hopefully he'll play good. They're at the Shriners. They got a couple events at Bermuda and then Sea Island, which is familiar to him. Um, the others are all pretty safe. I mean, Lee Hodges looks like he's building, continuing to build on his momentum. And we should see more players this week at, in Las Vegas at the tour stop there. But yeah, you know, Wilson first from Jackson, Mississippi, and would have been playing if he would have, you know, would have been qualified. He would have, I've read where he would have gotten a, uh, sponsors invite but it obviously went for a better cause there um and then you know on the champions tour 
Dixie Pride still holding strong at 13th in the Swab Cup. They've got a handful of events left. No one's going to catch Steve Stricker. He's playing the best golf of his career and just dominating. But, you know, uh, if you're looking at money earned, Dickie Pride, I'm going to have to look that up to think. But I think he may have made more money this year than he's ever made. And on the championship, he's made almost $1.1 million with tournaments to go. Well, yeah. Uh, all right, tell us, you said Las Vegas this week. How many more events are, are, are left in this I guess fall swing and how does how does the calendar flip and just kind of bring us because I think a lot of people still don't really understand that we're into a new FedEx Cup point season. Yeah, so it's it's really strange that um, they we still have the fall season that this is the first year of this. So the fall season is uh, counting towards their getting their card for next year. Um, and so the points in the past had started now for the FedEx Cup, and they would actually count for next year. Um, now they're actually counting to get your card for next year, so an extension of this past season. Yes, yeah, so because we're going think. back to a more of a normal calendar. They're trying to get the calendar right. You're, you're right. So they're trying to get the calendar right, which is going to help the fans. We just have to get through this fall season to sort of make sense of that. The players really don't like that. They've played all year. Right. They like where they finish. Our, some of our guys that I just talked about were inside that number. Now they've, you know, creeped outside that number, uh, and they're having to play for their jobs. But, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, they, they the winner got $1.5 yesterday or $1.55. Uh, there's a lot of money to be earned out there, and, and most of those guys are going to have some type of status because they have past champions. But you got the Shriners this week in Las Vegas. Uh, and then you have the Zozo Championship in Japan. It'll be interesting to see how many of those go over there. That is uh, the next week, and then you have the um, you have a tournament in Mexico, actually the Worldwide Technology, and then no, so you have Shriners, Zozo, five tournaments left: Worldwide Technology in Mexico, Butterfield, Bermuda, and the RSM. So they're going to actually finish a week later this year. So five good tournaments left. Um, and I guess they're going to have to all travel over there to Japan. Uh, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of travel, but a lot of money on the line. They get a week off coming back from Mexico, but really good tournaments playing for a pile of cash and a chance to secure your status for next year or create some momentum if you're JT going into next year. Uh, and then you can actually play your way into some of those designated events that we talked about some this year, that if you finish well in the fall this year, it's really confusing right now for the fans. They need to get this sort of fall season behind us, and next year we'll start a just calendar year. There won't be two years combined, and um, it'll help the fans. I think it'll help the viewing, and hopefully they'll do something to maybe adjust the FedEx Cup point standings to make that easier for the fans. Casey Smith on golf with us. Um, you Brought it up last week. We should have spent more time on it uh, with with the uh, Jerry Pate uh, tournament at the Country Club of Birmingham and and uh, this Alabama golf team. If it will, you know, holds together and nobody leaves, and uh, they're going to go into the spring as as you know one of the favorites to not just win the SEC but have a chance to win a third national championship for JC Well. But what Nick Dunlap did uh, again over the summer and now into the into the fall, it, it's it's one of the most remarkable. Years, I would say it is the most remarkable uh, stretch that any University of Alabama men's golfer has ever had. It trumps Jerry Pate, who also was USM winner. Winner, he won two other major USM um, 
All right, you won two more major amateur championships, uh, won the winning Walker Cup team, what he's doing now this fall. Have you ever seen a guy as a University of Alabama golfer accomplish more than this? No, and, and Justin Thomas won the Haskins Award. He got beat in the you know finals of the amateur. Jerry Pate, you, you mentioned, won the amateur. No, nothing matches this. This guy's on an absolute heater. Uh, the Hamptons inter- intercollegiate was last week. He was the you know, coming off being the SEC golfer of the week, he just earned his second straight SEC golfer of the week. After all of what you just mentioned, all of the other accomplishments, he shot minus 16. I mean, he shot a 60, lipped out for 59 in round two. It's been the first 59 in the history of college golf. Jeez, and he I, lipped it out. I've, yeah, and I've played Maidstone. It's an incredible course in East Hampton. It is really tough, really hard. And the other people's scores reflected that. His didn't. He's making golf look pretty easy right now. Uh, I will be – I mean, he's going to stay this year. The team is really uh, rolling into to a, a, you know, a really good team. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to have a chance to win it all. Cannon Blakeham is also a great player. Uh, and then, they, you know, they have that guy that transferred – the kid that transferred from Auburn's a fifth year from Vestavia, Austin Coggin, looked like, you know, the last first couple of tournaments, he's going to provide some real stability in that – fourth fifth spot and uh they have thomas ponder a senior back who's a really good second player and jonathan Grizz. they've got some competition some good freshmen and uh got a really good team i mean you know when you have a guy like nick dunlap out there it it really helps to get those red numbers in i mean he's shooting just crazy scores and if you can see if ludwig obear goes to the Ryder cup he's won in europe or golf in may and one on the European Tour, he made he finished in the top ten four times the PJ Tour, and then he had a cup. I mean, look, Nick Dunlap's the same type of player. Uh, Nick Dunlap could be playing on the PJ Tour right now if he wanted to. It's awesome he's there to play with his teammates. But I would be shocked if he doesn't. You know, depends on his fall schedule when it ends. But I mean, surely he could get a sponsor's exemption down to Sea Island. Uh, Davis loves. You know, runs the tournament. His son played at Alabama, and Davis is designing the new facility. I, I would, you know, wonder if that's something like that's in the works. Usually, when you're a great college player like that, that those type of opportunities mm-hmm. happen, especially being the U.S. Amateur champion. So, uh, I wonder if we see that towards the end. Maybe something to watch. But Nick Dunlap is legit, and I mean, he could be the best that's ever come out at this rate right now. He's way ahead of anyone else we've seen. So how, uh, final question on him, how, how basically this will work? Because he's, he's exempt for some major championships next year because of his U.S. amateur status. So uh, will he play in the Masters as an amateur? Will he, will he play out at Alabama and then immediately turn pro? But will he play some pro events as an amateur before he leaves Alabama? How's that going to work, Casey? Yeah, I think you'll see him play. Like when, when I mention those events, those would be as an amateur. Um, and then the Masters definitely he'll stay and play as an amateur and then they probably will adjust their – I haven't even looked to see if he – he'll adjust his spring schedule to fit his schedule a little bit, to fit Nick's schedule, I'm sure. And then we'll be interested to see if he turns pro uh, before or after the U.S. Open. Um, but I think you're going to see him turn pro sometime after Alabama season ends. Uh, can't imagine he would come back another year because I'd already heard that he was potentially going to turn pro this year. Um, so, you know, it's accomplished about everything you can accomplish in amateur golf except for winning a national title. 
and a team title, and hopefully they, they pick up both. But, yeah, I, I see him playing the Masters as an amateur and then really TBD, and he will have no shortage of sponsor invites. Uh, he'll get all seven of those and a chance to earn his tour card, so I'm sure they'll time those right as well. Yeah, just a what a jeez, what a player. All right, real quickly, uh, just uh, got about a minute. Your your take on uh, Alabama and A and M? Hey, you know, uh, I hope Miss Terry keeps encouraging Coach to get on them pretty good. That uh, that halftime adjustments and second half performance very impressive. And if we can play like that and continue to improve, we're going to be a hard out the rest of the way. I can tell you that. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, great stuff as always, Casey. A lot of people have uh, really warmed up to this uh, segment. They look forward to it. Give them your Twitter handle real quick in case they want to follow you. I know you don't, you don't, you're not too active out there, but you do some stuff from time to time. Yeah, at Smith Casey Ten. Thanks, Pat Smith Casey Ten. Uh, hope y'all have a great rest of the week. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Gary. All right, it's uh, 10.52, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. I'm back in there working out regularly, uh, taking a little bit of a break. But, man, I love the facility. In fact, I'm going to be uh, um, working uh, – not working out Wednesday, but I'll be over there speaking to the YMCA men's group, which is another great uh, deal that they have there. I mean, they got it all. They've got it all. Personal training, fitness classes, credible wellness center, sp- spick and span clean men's and women's locker rooms with a great 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 steam room showers lockers uh outdoor workout area and just everything that you can want with a great community of people it's the ymca of tuscaloosa 2313th street uh, downtown get by and see them today and tell them that gary harris sent you the gary harris show they'll appreciate that all right we'll be back to wrap up this edition of the, the show right after this on tie 100.9 fm your home for alabama sports Join Tide 100.9 this Friday from Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high 76, mostly clear tonight, the low 52. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and warmer, the high 79. And for Wednesday, the sky partially sunny, Wednesday's high at 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best place for your high school football coverage is right here on Tide 100.9 and online on Tide100.9.com. Fun show today and uh, flew by. Always does when you're having fun. I want to thank Justin for his great work on the board as always. And uh, I uh, ate my crow happily. I didn't get too many people today giving me a hard time. I had a lot of social media uh, <laughs> You know, people come out of the woodwork. Hey, like I said, man, you know, it is um, it is what it is. Uh, Bama fans should want to hear me pick. The last time I picked against uh, Alabama was the SEC championship game of 2021, and the Tide blew Georgia out. Now, they did not win the national championship that year. Some injuries got them. But, uh, and then I picked against them on Saturday, and Alabama won that game. So, you Bama fans might might want to hear me pick against the Tide more often. But really pleased, again, as we wrap it up, with how this Alabama team is coming together. And I'd said all along, Justin, you remember this, I said Alabama's going to be a really good team in November. The key is to make November matter, and they're doing that. Um, And, you know, give Texas credit. They rolled in here. But Rodney Orr, I think, correctly pointed this out all summer, that Texas was catching Alabama at a good time. You know, second game of the season, trying to find a quarterback, Texas coming in with yours. Again, it is what it is. You play them when you play them. I'm not one of these revisionist history people. Well, you know, we're going to, you know, you play them when you play them. And if Alabama plays Texas in, in, in game 10, maybe it's a different outcome. But Texas won the game when they played it. And it's just like with rankings, you know. it. You know, when you play a team early in the year and they're winning and they're ranked 
fourth in the country, and you beat them. And then if, let's say, they lose three, two or three more games, like Notre Dame. Notre Dame when Ohio State beat Notre Dame, that was a big win. It's, it's in context. I hate when people say, well, they turned out to not be any good. Well, they were good when you played them. So, anyway, that's that's the way it goes. All right, this hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. They do it right. Uh, coming up next, I know this will be a fun show. We get uh, Kristen and Corey Miller breaking it down on Miller's Edge. Big noon sports from noon until 2. Ryan Fowler with the game. We'll take you home from 2 until 6. Of course, I'll be back in tomorrow morning for the 9 a.m. edition of the Gary Harris Show, and you can catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. Hey, a reminder, another three-digit code with the 30K Workday Payday is coming up at the start of the next hour. It's your chance to win cash on Tide 100.9. That's going to do it for the show. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nissan has a call.